um, come on up. Um, Many of you know him. Um, he's been here for like, I don't know, 13 years or yeah, something. Yeah, long time. I'll take it. Um, and uh, so we have a, a true treat having him here this morning. Um, and uh, you're married, Brandy. Yes. Yes. Um, two kids. Right check, over there. Check, check. Yep. Aiden, Kale, two dogs, no white picket fence. And he likes cheese. So um, I'm going to pray for him and then let him get going. And, uh, and it is a, a neat presentation of, of the gospel and illustrating um, God's word. And um, I think we're just, it's a true privilege to have him here today with us. So let me pray. Father, do thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for the way that you have gifted and brought um, Jeff into um, this congregation. And uh, we thank you that what a gift that he is. And just thank you that um, you have given him your word. And that we get a chance to hear it, um, see it, and be a part of that. And I just thank you. We give you the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Good morning. I know we have some new people today, but a lot of you know Tom and how much he cries. And I, I give, yeah. I give him a lot of, well, I don't give him, I give him a lot of trouble behind his back for crying. And then they sing, and I'm just like bawling before I even start. So everything's good. <laughs> you might be thinking to yourself, self, why is that guy up on stage on Sunday morning? He juggles. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but here I am. Um, I love Christ. Uh, the thing about me is I started performing when I was four. I was Woodstock in a church play. Aw. I, I'm a, by the way, just so you know, real quick, I am a street performer, so occasionally I will talk to you during the service. Is that okay? Great. So I was, uh, I was Woodstock in a church play at four. Aw. Yes. And then I went on and I was going to be like a, a big time film actor and make lots of money and be rich and famous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a really bad idea. But I, uh, as I was going down that path, I ran into this guy named Kurt Cloninger back in 2008, I think. He came to this church and did a presentation on Ruth. I had the chance to talk to him, and um, we got lunch. And Kurt does one-man shows for Christ. He travels all over the country. And I asked him why he did that as opposed to commercial work or film work or something where you could become rich and famous. Oh, yeah. And he said... If I can use my skills and talents to glorify and honor God, why wouldn't I? I didn't have an answer for that, right? I was like, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'll write that down. And so uh, after that meeting, uh, I started working to put together presentations that would do that, that would point people to Christ and get people excited to dive back into the Word. So since then, I've been doing uh, live shows and I've been doing film. So today, uh, our topic is, am I enough for God? Or do we have to work to be rich and famous first? The answer there is, well, you have to wait for the end of the service. But first, we're going to start off with a, um, two questions. Question number one is, can God really love me just as I am? Am I really enough? And question number two that I hope to answer today is, what is the outcome of allowing our mistakes and life circumstances to define who we are? to define who I am. So we're going to kick it off with a short film. 
please direct your attention to the screen.
in the short film, Mask Part One, we focus on a guy who's experiencing pain and suffering. So he answers Jesus' call, and he goes to church looking for rest. Uh, unfortunately, when he goes into church, he feels uncomfortable and not welcomed. And like what he's experiencing is not okay. Uh, some of us may have experienced that at one point or another in our life. Not necessarily in a church. This could have been in our business. This could have been within our family. This could have been within our friendships. Or maybe, maybe you felt that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you felt something else, like you had to pretend to be something that you weren't, pretending like everything is happy, like everything is okay, and totally denying what you're really feeling inside. Or maybe to take it a step further, at some point in your life, you might have been rejected, literally escorted out. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, juggling down at Fair St. Louis, and I met a guy from Syria. He's been in here in the country for about a year. And the reason that he left Syria was because he is a, an Armenian Christian, and they were literally killing him because of his belief. Not him specifically, but his, his people. And so he fled to the States to save his two kids and his wife. He sent them ahead, and then he came uh, a little while later. And he's been here for a year and just got a job over in Kansas and is moving quickly. That's, that's some serious rejection. Um, yeah, there's a guy named Viktor Frankl who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. In the book, uh, well, Viktor is a, is a psychiatrist, or he was a psychiatrist, a Jewish psychiatrist who got locked up in the concentration camps back in uh, World War II. And while he was in the concentration camps, he noticed something very interesting, and it was uh, the gas chambers. When they would fill the gas chambers with a lot of gas, it would fill the room completely, evenly. If they filled it with a little bit of gas, it would still fill the room completely and evenly. Didn't matter where you were in the room, the gas was there. And he started to realize that the gas in the gas chamber was just like pain in a person. It doesn't matter how much pain or how little pain you're experiencing, it still fills you completely. And what do we do with that? Because everybody's going to experience that. Somebody said, either experiencing pain and suffering now, or you've just gotten out of some serious suffering, or you're just about to go into some serious suffering. So what do we do? I would like to turn your attention to the Bible for the story of Peter. I need a volunteer from the audience. I mean, the congregation. I need a big guy, somebody that I've seen at the gym. You, sir, in the second row, married to Beth Bowman. Thanks for volunteering. Come on up, please. Thank you. I've only got 50 minutes. You've got to go faster. <laughs> Can we give him another round of applause? Thanks. Hi. We work out. <laughs> What's your name, sir? Grant Bowman. Nice to meet you. Everybody say hi. You say hello. hello. Great. I've called you up here to help me out with this. Last week, Anton referenced a straitjacket. Here it is. This is a regulation straitjacket. I need you to inspect the jacket, sir. Make sure it's a real jacket, no hidden trap doors, smoke and mirrors, and monkeys in the jacket. It is. It's a good idea not to smell it. Well done. Okay, now I need you to put me in the jacket, okay? If you can start with the top strap back there, work your way down, make them as tight as possible. 
Yeah. So it's a typical Sunday morning at Green Tree. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Yeah, as tight as you can make it. That's good. Right there is fine. There are six straps. Start with the top strap, work your way down, okay? Stop after the last strap. Got it? Got it? Got it. Great. Okay. While he's working on that, I want you to know that the seams on this jacket have all been sewn four times so that I can't rip them. Say, ooh. Thank you. We also have thick straps and heavy-duty buckles, making it difficult to escape. Say, ah. And what's worse, the ends of my sleeves have been sewn shut. Say, oh, no. This is like arms in the air, like, oh, no. Or if you are familiar with uh, Braveheart, you could say, no. Go ahead. Freedom. <laughs> All right, how are we doing, sir? We got six? Don't worry about that. We have the strap here on my arm. I need you to pull this one through here. This is the most important strap. You need to pull this one all the way around to here. You have to make it as tight as possible. You might even need to use leverage. <laughs> How do you think I feel? As tight as, tight as possible. I can, I can feel you. That's fine. Okay, where are you at? There's one last strap. Wait. <laughs> this one has instructions. Okay? That's just there to keep me from taking the jacket up and over my head. That's it. That's all. It does not need to be tight. <laughs> I'd feel better if you weren't smiling right now. <laughs> not tight. Okay? Okay. Just, uh, just over the knees is fine. It doesn't have to go very high. Right there is perfect. Okay? Safety? It's okay. We can just hang out for a while. Okay? Okay. All right. We are all out of straps. You did a great job. Thank you very much. Please give him a big round of applause. Okay. So as I was saying earlier, we all run into pain, we all run into suffering. We're also going to call those challenges, okay? Uh, I want to show you what a challenge could look like with the help of the straitjacket and this. A giant red ball. Because nothing says challenge more than a giant red ball or something. Here we go. Okay. So my challenge has three parts. Part one is the fact that I'm standing on a ball. The ball is round, and it's always rolling all over the place. It's never in the same spot for very long. And if I'm not paying attention to where I put my foot next, I could make a mistake and fall. That might make people panic. Makes me panic. <laughs> if I focus on that, I'm definitely panicking. Uh, the second part to my problem is the fact that not only am I standing on shaky ground, but I'm also t tied up in a straitjacket. Normally, you're not in a jacket when you're on a ball. <laughs> Normally, you have your hands free to help you balance, and if you make a mistake, you can catch yourself if you go down. I can't do either one of those. If I make a mistake, I'm definitely going down hard, and it's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> right, it's funny for some of you, <laughs> not funny for me. If I focus on that part of my problem, I could panic. Now, the third part of my problem is the fact that not only am I standing on shaky ground, not only can I not save myself if I make one wrong step, but while I'm in the middle of this, there are about a hundred or so people staring at me. 
some people videotaping, some people taking photos so they can say they were there when he fell. <laughs> if I were to focus on the fact that everybody is staring at me, watching every single move I make, scrutinizing every decision that goes on inside my head, I could panic. But here's the crazy thing, right? The panic, the stress, the worry, the anxiety, all of that only comes into play when I'm focused on me, when I'm focused on my problem. But here's one of the really cool things about Jesus Christ. And there are a lot of cool things about Jesus. But this one in particular, if you can get your eyes and your focus off of where you are and what is happening to you, and you can put it on Christ, and you focus on him, things start to change. Because Jesus, <laughs> Jesus actually walks with you no matter what you're going through. Could be a longer walk <laughs> than you were expecting, but don't panic. He's got you. He's right there. There it is. But I have to give you a warning, okay? Even though you're following where Christ leads, sometimes life can get just a little, just a little bit uncomfortable. Actually, life can get a lot uncomfortable sometimes. Even though you're following him, just keep on going. Don't look away. He's got you. Yeah, whoo, yeah, oh, thanks. Which brings me to the story of Peter. I want to tell you the story of Peter real quick with theatrical flair, okay? Picture with me, dark and stormy night. The wind is howling, the waves are waving, and there are the disciples in this little itty bitty boat in the middle of the sea. They're going from one side to the other <laughs> to see somebody very important. Who? Who? Great. They're going to see Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. Otherwise, say, ah. Oh. On the way there, they see something that really freaks them out. They see a man walking to them on the water, and they panic. Ah! Go ahead. Nice job. And then the man speaks, and he says, hey, guys, it's me, Jesus. Everything is cool. And all the disciples like, oh, okay, that's just Jesus doing his Jesus thing. I mean, Jesus can do that. All of them except for one, Peter. Peter looks out there and he says, Lord, uh, if that's really you, ask me to walk out there to you. <laughs> like he would do that. I mean, everybody knows I don't walk on water. <laughs> and then Jesus says, hey, Pete, it's me. Come on out. The water is fine. And Peter says, you betcha. Sure. To the impossible. And then he looks down at the boat. And he walks to the edge of the boat. And he looks down at the water. And he sees all the fish swimming around. He looks up and he hears the wind. And he sees the waves. But then he locks his focus on one man. He locks his focus on Jesus. And as he does, he steps out of the boat with one leg. And then with the other leg. And then he lets go of the boat 
And he starts walking to who? To who? To Jesus. He starts to do the impossible because his focus is on Jesus. Then something terrible happens. Same thing that happens to all of us, right? We come up against something really big in our lives and we're like, whoa, this is huge. I can't do this by myself. And we start to pray and we say, Lord, give me the strength and the energy and the courage and the wisdom and all of that to get through this. And then Jesus does. Oh, yeah. And then we do. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden we forget all about our source. We forget that our strength came from Christ. And we start thinking it's all about us. Same thing happened to Peter. Peter's like, I've got superpowers. I am walking on water. I'm going to change my name. I'm Peter, water walker. And then Peter starts to showboat. He wants to make sure everybody can see him do this amazing thing. But he looks over here and all he hears is wind. He looks over here, all he sees are waves. He looks down and all he sees are fish smiling with lots of teeth. And he does what? He panics. Ah! Thank you. And then Peter starts to sink. On the way down, Peter thinks, hey, I can save myself. I'll just swim to shore. Where is shore? No, that's not going to work. I know. My friends will save me. The disciples, they're a good bunch of guys. It's like, guys, hey. And they're like, hey, Peter. It's like, I'm sinking. Like, we know. And we're taking pictures. Oh, you should see that one, Pete. The way the spray comes out. Is He's like, what? And he sinks even more. But then all of a sudden, it comes to him. He remembers the most important person any of us can remember in any situation. He remembers who? Jesus. He looks back to Jesus and he reaches out and says, Lord, save me. Where was Jesus? Was Jesus on a coffee break? No. Was Jesus, I don't know, taking a nap? No. Was Jesus on the other line not clicking over? No. Jesus was right there. He was so close, he could actually reach out a hand, and he grabs Peter. <laughs> Probably not by his face. Probably back here. And he looks at Peter, and he says, Pete, buddy, why did you doubt? And then, it's my favorite part of the story, Jesus Christ, standing on water, reaches down into this man's situation, grabs him, lifts him up with one arm, and puts him back safe in the boat. I will say it again. I will also add a slide. Can we jump to the next slide, please? There he is, as depicted in this picture. Jesus, standing on water, probably only wearing sandals. People do not stand on water. Jesus is standing on water, totally safe, totally secure, totally rock solid. He's standing in the midst of Peter's suffering. He reaches down. Peter, a guy who was following him, then who looked away. He looked away, tried to take it all on him, possibly, and then looked back. Jesus did not give up on Peter. Jesus was still there to stand solid in the middle of his circumstances, to reach down with awesome cosmic power. Grab Peter, one arm, lift this ginormous fisherman out of the water, out of his suffering, out of his situation, and put him back safely in the boat. 
that's Jesus. That's the Lord we serve. That guy is awesome. Can I get a, oh yeah. I'm just saying. And then Jesus, he gets in the boat too. And then the wind, the wind calms down. The waves calm down. And everybody is back safe in the boat with Jesus. Oh yeah. Right? It's like the coolest thing ever. It had nothing. Stay. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Peter. It had everything to do with Jesus. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, self, that guy, he has no idea what I've had to go through. He has no idea what my life is like. My challenges are super crazy. They are so big, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand me. And you would be right. I have no idea what you're going up against. I have no idea what you've come through. And I have no idea what's in your future. And you have no idea what's in my life either. But here's the thing I do know for certain. The world threw everything it had at Jesus. Everything it had. And Jesus overcame it. And because he loves you, because he loves me, because he loves all of us, because he will never give up on us, because he's always there, there is nothing. There is nothing that you will ever come up against that is too big for Jesus. Jesus has got your back. Always. Always. He's got you. It might take longer than you hoped. It might be a lot more uncomfortable than you would like. But Jesus is right there with you the whole time. But why is it that we don't trust in that and we look at this? Why is it that sometimes in the midst of our suffering, we feel <laughs> out? Why do we feel not accepted <laughs> by ourselves, by other people? Well, I'm going to suggest that there is a scale. Ooh. Right, everybody do it again. Ooh. And I'm going to demonstrate the scale with this right over here. Some of you might be able to see it, some of you might not. So I'll just tell you what's on the board. That's a 10. Got it? Okay. Uh, how many of you have had kids? Uh, real quick, anybody's got, got, a, got a kid? I have a couple kids. You got it. Brandy, is, uh, last name Kozatek? Brandy, when you had your children, the cute kids they are, what was your first thought? If you were to rate Kale or Aiden, just hypothetically speaking, if you were to give them a number, a value, what would you give them on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being uh, 10. Thank you. 10. I'm going to suggest, going on a limb, that maybe all of us, when we look at our babies for the first time, we stamp them with a 10. My mom and dad are here. Mom, would you give me a 10, please, please? Yes! She gives me a 10 when I'm born. That's my 10. But then we go through life. Everybody goes through life. Everybody has challenges. Everybody has to deal with real world issues. Let's say you're born and you're born into a family and your parents love you, but they don't know how to speak your love language. So they're loving you, but you're not getting it. All of a sudden, this 10, this 10 gets messy. And it gets covered up with stuff. 
Or maybe you were a kid and your friend says something really mean to you and, and you get bullied. And then all of a sudden there's more mess in your life. Or maybe, maybe you have to deal with abandonment and loss. Maybe something happens to your parents or your brother or sister or your friends. Or maybe, like the guy in Syria, you have to leave your entire country. Lots of mess. Or how about this? Maybe you get older, and then maybe all of a sudden, abuse comes into play. Or maybe somebody else looks at you, <laughs> and they start feeding you lies. They start telling you, no, you're not worth it. Or maybe they tell you, when will you ever get it right? Why even bother? No, don't pick that up. I'll take care of this. You're just going to mess it up some more. And then maybe after all of that pain and all that suffering, you start to feel it. And maybe you accidentally, on one of your bad days, treat somebody else bad. And then you feel guilty about it. Or then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you start doing it to other people on purpose. Maybe not necessarily to hurt them. Maybe you do things bad to other people to save yourself. All of a sudden, you've got this ginormous mess all over the 10. And all of a sudden, you start looking at yourself as less than a 10. You start thinking, maybe I'm a 6. Or maybe that's being narcissistic. Maybe I'm just a 2. Maybe I'm not even on the scale. My mom just said in front of lots of people that she thought I was a 10 when I was born. Most of my life, I didn't think of myself as a 10. Most of my life, after dealing with bullying and a bunch of other crazy stuff, I was maybe a three. But I have a big question for you. Where did the 10 go? Nowhere. The 10 is still there. It's still there. Despite everything that happened, despite my mistakes, despite my circumstances, the 10 never left. I'm going to go to this crazy book over here called The Bible. And on Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you <laughs> for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll say that again. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I would like to suggest that God does not make bad stuff. God makes good stuff. He knows your beginning. He knows your middle. He knows your end. And he stamps you, I'm going to guess, with a 10 because of that. And everything else in this book. He looks at you as a 10. Next slide, please. <laughs> Which brings me to my juggling parable. Here we go. <clears throat> uh, I need a name for the main character in my juggling parable. Could be any name. Comes from you, sir, in the front row. In the red. Todd? Todd. I like it. Okay. This is the story of juggling Todd. Aw. Juggling Todd was just like everybody else in the world. He ran around. He had a great childhood. He played baseball. He climbed trees. Uh, and then he got older. He got a great job. But Todd had a problem. He had a hole in his heart. Say, aw. 
Juggling Todd was sad because this hole in his heart really upset him. So he tried to fill it with all kinds of stuff. He put new cars in there. He put a new house. He put another kid, maybe another another kid, maybe ten more kids, some dogs, a nice lawn, a beautiful wife, lots of stuff, lots of money. And it never worked because it always fell out. Say, aw. He had that hole in his heart. So juggling Todd would juggle. As long as he juggled, he'd forget about that hole in his heart and he'd feel okay. But whenever he stopped juggling, he'd remember the hole and he would get sad again. Say, oh, man. Until one day. One day, Juggling Todd was out juggling like this. When somebody came along and sat down, her name was Mindy. Hi, Mindy. Mindy watched Juggling Todd juggle for a while. And when Juggling Todd stopped juggling, Mindy clapped like this. The clap from this one person was deafening. And it changed everything for Juggling Todd because it filled up that hole in his heart just a little bit. Say, ooh. That's when Juggling Todd got an idea. Bing. Everybody do it. Bing. Everybody has to do it together. It's like a flea jumping off of a dog. Ready? Bing. Some people did not do the hand motions. We'll do it again. Bing. See, it feels good, right? Juggling Todd thought, hey, this woman showed me love and respect by clapping for what I did. Maybe if I get a whole bunch of people together, then everybody will love me, they'll respect me, they'll clap for me and fill that hole up all the way. Say, okay. So that's what he did. He stepped out in front of a large group of people and he said, hey, I'm juggling Todd. Watch as I amaze you with three ball juggling. And he started juggling three balls like this, and then three balls like that. And then he passed one on the top. Then he passed two on the top. Then he started juggling in columns. Then he took a small break. Then he started juggling like this, and then he passed one under the leg, and one under the other leg. He passed one behind his back. He even caught one on the back of his hand, and then finished with a crazy catch like that and took a bow. Thank you. When it was all over, some people clapped, say, oh, yeah. But some people did not say, oh, no. He looked down at the hole in his heart. It was only half full. Say, some of you missed the opportunity. So we will do it again. Ready? Here we go. Ah, did you see that coming when you came to church this morning? <laughs> Juggling Todd did not understand. He did more three ball tricks. For more people, but not everybody loved him and respected him like he thought. He did not understand what went wrong. So he thought about it some more, and then he got an idea. Bing! Maybe if I do more, then everybody will love me and respect me and clap for me and fill the hole up all the way. Say, okay. So he went on a quest to find another juggler who could do more than he could. Oh! Thank you. On this quest, he did find another juggler. This juggler's name comes to us from... The guy in the back corner standing up. Any name you want. That's when he met Juggling What What. <laughs> juggling Todd said, Juggling What What. This is new and original. <laughs> you are amazing. You do all of this stuff. How do you do it? And Juggling What What said, with a book. This book right here. Charlie Dancy's Encyclopedia of Ball Juggling. Again, with the hand motions. Oh, there you go. And then Juggling What What handed the book to Juggling Todd. Juggling Todd took the book and said, thank you. Then he ran home. He read it cover to cover, left to right, front to back, and in the bathroom. 
<laughs> then he set it down. This time he grabbed four balls. He went out in front of a large group of people and he said, hey, I'm juggling Todd. You might remember me from three balls, but now prepare yourselves for four balls. And then he started juggling four balls like this. And then, you're right. One fell. Juggling Todd made a mistake. He made a mistake in his show. At the end of that show, nobody clapped. Say, oh no. Juggling Todd didn't understand. He did more, slightly. For more people, slightly. But nobody clapped. He looked down at that hole in his heart. What do you think it looked like? I'll just tell you. It was empty. And not only was it empty, it had gotten bigger. Everyone say, oh! That was really good. But I want you to think velociraptor, like, but without the hands. This was terrible. Juggling Todd was so sad. He didn't understand. So he thought about it some more, and then he got another idea. Bing! Maybe it's not just about doing more. Maybe it's also about being perfect and not making any mistakes, especially not in front of the front row. <laughs> then maybe everybody would love me, respect me, clap for me, and fill that hole up all the way. Say, okay. So he went on a second quest to find another juggler who could do more than he could. Oh. On this quest, he did find another juggler. This juggler's name comes to us from Kyrie. This juggler's name shall not be spoken during this service. <laughs> Cece. I like it. That's when, wait, is Cece a boy or a girl? Girl. Got it. Okay. That's when Juggling Todd met Juggling Cece. Say hi. Juggling Todd said, Juggling Cece, you're amazing. You fill theaters all over the world. Everybody loves you. They respect you. They clap for you. They buy your merchandise. They watch your videos. And I've never seen you make one single mistake. How do you do it? And juggling Cece leaned in real close and she said, with video editing. <laughs> and juggling Todd was like, what? <laughs> no, I need to be perfect. I can't make any mistakes, see? And juggling Cece leaned in again and she said, then I have bad news for you. Thing is, nobody is perfect. And that's when juggling Todd panicked. And then Juggling Cece went on to say, nobody in the whole history of buddies was ever perfect. Not, well, I take that back. There was one guy, there was one guy that did live a perfect life, who never made one single mistake, who never dropped one juggling ball, and this guy had a name. His name was? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus lived over 2,000 years ago. And then that's when Juggling Todd said, You're feeling a little shy. We'll do it all together as a group. Ready? There you go. He said, no, 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 no. That's great for Jesus. Yay for Jesus. But that was 2,000 years ago. What about me? What about right now? I have to be perfect now in 2015. If I'm not perfect, then people don't love me. They don't respect me. And they don't fill up this hole in my heart. I need everybody's love and respect to do that. What am I going to do? And Jungling Cece said, then I have good news for you. The love and respect you're looking for to fill up that hole in your heart, that comes from one place. That comes from God. 
And that's when juggling Todd panicked again. Ah! And again. Ah! And then juggling Todd spoke. No, he panicked the third time. Ah! You're talking about God. You're talking about creator of the entire universe, God. You're talking about God who made the infinitely ginormous and the little itty bitty. That God? How is that God going to love me? I can't even juggle four balls. Thank you. How am I supposed to earn God's love? And juggling Cece said, here's the great news. You don't have to. You don't have to. It's all in this book. See, God loves you so much, so much, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to live that perfect life and then to go to the cross and exchange his life for whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in him. Taking on all of their mistakes, giving him this perfect life. So that when God looks down and he sees them, when he sees you, when he sees me, when he sees all of us, he sees the perfect life of his son, Jesus. And he loves us just for being us. Can I get a, oh yeah! It's the coolest gift ever. Oh. And it's all written down in this book right here called the, yeah, the Bible. And then Juggling Cece handed the Bible to Juggling Todd. Juggling Todd took the Bible and said, thank you. But I do have a question. What about making mistakes? What about trying to do more? What about all of that? And Juggling Cece said, you will always make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody. But the more you get to know Jesus, the more you read this, the less mistakes you will make. Ooh. And a great way to say thank you to God for this amazing gift is to use your skills and talents to bring glory and honor to him and to help people who need to be helped. That's pretty much it. It's all in there. And then Juggling Todd took the Bible and he said, thanks. And then he ran home. He read it cover to cover, left to right, front to back, and in the... I know. So disgusting. And then he set the Bible down. This time he grabbed five balls. He went out in front of a large group of people and he said, hey, I'm Juggling Todd. I would like to juggle for you five balls if I can. They totally blend in with the light. And he starts juggling five balls like this. And then he starts juggling four balls. And then three balls. And three balls upside down. And then two with one hand. And then two with the other hand. And then two with two hands. And then he added a sound effect. And at the end of his show, he took a bow. Thanks. Afterwards, some people clapped, say, oh yeah. Some people did not say, okay. It didn't matter because Juggling Todd knew who he was. He knew that God loved him just for being him, despite his mistakes. He looked down at that hole in his heart. What do you think it looked like? It was. It was totally full. And it was so full, you couldn't even tell that there was a hole there in the first place. Because when you accept Jesus, Jesus fills that hole with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit gets in there, it never comes out. Not even when you stand like this. It's still in there. And Juggling Todd used this newfound confidence that he had in himself, knowing that God loved him just for being him, and he went out to try some new stuff, like this. You've probably never seen one of these. This is called 
a jump rope. He thought he would try jumping rope on a ball. Maybe. Ow. Here we go. Let's see how many we can get. Ready, Mark? Get set. Go. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. Well, thanks. <laughs> he, he started jumping rope on a ball. He made some mistakes along the way, but that's all right. He pushed himself to try something new because he knew who he was. He knew that he was enough for God's love. So I direct your attention back to the PowerPoint for the next slide. Why don't we all stand there? It's all over the Bible. We hear it all the time. We know that God loves us just for being us. We know that he made us wonderfully. <laughs> Ten. But why don't we do that? I'm going to suggest to you a lack of trust. There's a guy named Patrick Lencioni. He wrote a book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. They are these. At the very top of the order, and this is all about business, by the way. He wrote it for business. In a business, if you have an employee or a group of employees that have an inattention to results, they don't care where the company is going, and they're really full of themselves, and they think they're amazing, they think they can walk on water. It's probably because there is an avoidance of accountability. They have low standards for themselves and for other people, and that probably stems from a lack of commitment because they're not really bought into where we're going, and it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. Sure, we can make widgets. Sure, we can make video games. Sure, we can make cheese. And maybe that's because of a fear of conflict. They don't engage in the stuff that needs to be talked about, and they create an artificial harmony. Oh, yeah, that's great. Sure, no problem. I feel fine. And that's probably stemming from an absence of trust. All the way down the bottom, they have this level of invulnerability. They're not real with each other. In business. Next slide, please. So to go back to my second question, what is the outcome of allowing our mistakes and life circumstances to define who we are? I would like to suggest to you the answer is when we define ourselves by our mistakes and or what has happened to us, we will never be enough for God's amazing love. We won't allow it. We will look like this guy. And we will expect. We will look for people. To cast us out. We will look for people to reject us. And if they don't do it. We'll look to God. And be like yeah God's not going to take me. I can't juggle four balls. I can only jump rope on a ball. Five times on a Sunday morning. In July. And if God doesn't do it. We're going to do it. I will escort myself out. If you don't do it quick enough, no, I'm not good enough for this. I'll, I'll just walk out. All because of an absence of trust. Despite everything. It's pretty bleak. But there it is, right there. If we're not good enough, we won't trust others. We won't trust ourselves. We won't trust God. We're not going to confront the issues that need to be addressed in our lives. And we're not going to commit. Instead, we're just going to live a life of, eh, whatever. We're not going to hold ourselves or other people accountable. We're going to have low standards. Do whatever you want. Sure, live however you want. And we're not going to care what happens. And we're going to elevate ourselves above everything else, thinking we are so amazing, and we're going to be full of road rage all the time. How dare you cut me off? 
this is my lane. All the time. That's not good. The absence of trust. Now, he wrote this for business, but I'm going to suggest to you that you can use these things for regular relationships, your friendships, your family, your marriage, and I'm going to go another step and say this affects our relationship with God. If we don't trust God enough to be vulnerable and real with him, then we're not going to go to him with the big stuff that we need to go to him with. Miscarriages, child loss, parent loss, abuse. Getting laid off, getting bullied. Now, things just don't ever go right. And if we don't do that, then we're not going to buy into what he's talking about in here. We're not going to buy into him. We're not going to buy into the Christian life. And then we're not going to hold ourselves accountable. Eh, it was just one time. Okay, that was five times. That was like a hundred times. And if we don't hold ourselves accountable then we're not going to care what the end result is. All because of trust. But here's my great news for you. Don't panic. I have the answer. It's 42. Hey, hey, hey. No, that's not the answer. Next slide. Here's the next slide. God says we don't have to pretend to be something we're not. He says we don't have to have life all figured out. He says that we don't have to impress him by jumping rope on a ball. And we do not have to be perfect. I have to tell my, myself that all the time. We do not have to be perfect. He accepts us as we are. And then he, he cleans us up. He paved the way with Jesus. The gap's already been bridged. So, the answer to question number one, can God really love me as I am? Am I really enough? The answer is, yeah, yes. Next slide. We have got to be able to see mistakes in ourselves and mistakes in others. Very difficult to do. But they're just like us. They make mistakes. We make mistakes. The mistakes, they're just mistakes. They're not who we are as people. We're the ten underneath the mess. We're always the ten. The Holy Spirit makes us a ten because he's awesome. And because of Christ's remarkable sacrifice, we don't have to pretend with God. We can trust him with everything. And we can know that he still loves us just for being us. In the juggling parable, because he knew who he was, he tried something different. He stepped out and he tried doing what? Jumping rope on a completely ridiculous. But he knew who he was. He had that confidence. He had that solid rock foundation that allowed him to step out and try something different. And we're all members of the body. We all have different skills, all have different abilities, and that is awesome. A whole body made up of hands would look really bizarre. Right? Look at all those hands. It's just like crawling around. No, we're not. We've got hands, we've got eyes, we've got hair, some people. Right? So my, and a mouth, thank you. So this brings me to my final two questions for you for today. When you rest in the confidence that you are enough today, right here, right now, when you know that God loves you on your best and your worst days, on your worst days when you don't even love yourself, when you know that God loves you, what will you do? What, what kind of a light are you going to shine for his kingdom? 
And if you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and I do it, and you do it, and we're all doing this as a body of Christ, boom. That's a big light. That's some serious world changing. And it all comes down to trust in him. It's pretty cool. It's like the coolest thing I know. So I'd uh, just like to finish up with a prayer. Please bow your heads and bear with me. Uh, dear Father, thank you so much for uh, this opportunity, for the fact that we can meet together and, and praise you and worship you and bring glory and honor to you freely. Lord, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for loving on us <laughs> despite ourselves, despite the mistakes, despite the fact that we love to, to take the reins and make it all about us. You're still there. You still pursue us. We thank you so much for for not giving up, even when we turn away. Lord, thank you so much for, for this group of people. Thank you for Green Tree. We thank you for the amazing song. We thank you for the family. We thank you for inspiring us with your word. We pray all this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. say thank you to death, thank you for leading us, and um, in Christ we are enough, and uh, that was a good message for me, and, and say thanks, and Jeff will be down here to be able to talk to you on his way out, on your way out, and if you'd like prayer, we'd like to invite you up here, we'd love to pray for you. Receive now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Yeah. You know you're getting picked. <laughs>